With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. Again, I second Friday in a row that we are early, and second Friday in a row that I misspoke the word. I said today, uh, good after, uh, good evening. I should have said good afternoon. That's my bad. But we do have a packed show on tap for you guys tonight. A lot of NBA. Uh, I do this every year. So last year, I did my top. 10 players in the NBA going into the postseason. And again, I'm going to recap, and, and I always do my top 10 players coming out of the postseason because the next two months, which it's April 14th, so finals will be over in about two months. Listen, a lot of narratives will change. A lot of narratives will persist. Legacies, same situation. So coming into this year's playoffs, I'm going to rank my current top 10 players in the NBA, it has certainly changed since last year's postseason. A uh, lot of guys with a lot to prove, some guys with nothing to prove, just a resume to continue to add to and stack up. They'll discuss that. Obviously, my first-round predictions, as well as my play-in predictions, we still got two playing games tonight, but the main event is the playoffs, which start tomorrow afternoon uh, at 1 o'clock. I think it's the Sixers-Nets game one. So looking forward to that. I'll predict those, uh, the first my first-round predictions at the end of today's show. Also, Andrew Wiggins is officially back with the Golden State Warriors. That is great news for me, as you can tell. Sorry for the podcast audience wearing my championship t-shirt, championship hat from last year. Not bring out the rings. Not yet. Not yet, at least. I'll get to that, and as well as why Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, he's, he, he, he's tripping. He's tripping about Lamar Jackson. No question about it. I'll get to that later on today's show. But first, I wanted to discuss Damian Lillard. You guys know he's one of my favorite players in the NBA. Like, of my five favorite players of the league, it's it's like Steph, Dame, KD, LeBron. Like, those are the, the easy four. And then maybe you could slide in like a, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe a Luka Doncic, a Giannis. I do love watching Giannis play. But Dame's one of those guys. And Dame, to me, has been one of the most criminally underrated players in the NBA. Never forget the fact that aside from Michael Jordan, Damian Lillard is the only player in NBA history with two series-ending buzzer-beating shots. He has a 70-point game in his resume, which he did this season. He has multiple 60-point games on his resume. Uh, and, and listen, led a Portland team that 
let's be real, had no business in the Western Conference Finals. He got them to that point where they fell to my Warriors in 2019. But Dame is consistently one of the better postseason performers and year in, year out, is one of the best guards in the NBA. But it is the second straight year that we will not see Damian Lillard in the playoffs. And for a competitor like Dame, who just completed his 11th year in the NBA, which is crazy to think about, and I'm sure Dame is thinking about this certainly far more than I have or that any of, of us have, Dame was on, Stephen A. Smith was doing almost like a Manning cast type uh, show during the Bulls-Raptors playing game on ESPN. It was like a live watch, like he had like Snoop Dogg on there and appreciated Snoop giving Steph Curry some love. He had J.J. Redick, who's one of my favorite, if not my favorite basketball analysts out there. And at one point, he had Damian Lillard on. And he was talking to Dame about, you know, Portland was a disappointing season. They failed to even qualify for the play-in tournament. And he was asking Dame about, you know, what things we're looking at in terms of what decision he what decisions he would make moving forward regarding his future. And uh and, and Stephen A was asking him about that. Uh and Damian Little said, quote, it ain't a threat. I ain't gonna say I'm putting them on the clock. I'm just saying if those things can't be done, if we can't do something significant like put together like that, put together a competitive playoff ready roster, then we won't have a chance to compete on that level. And then not only will I have a decision to make, but I think the organization will too. Because at that point, it's like, are you going to go young or are we going to get something done? I think we just kind of been on the fence with fully committing to one another. I just think we at the point now where everybody wants to win. They believe I deserve that opportunity. So again, it always comes down. Damian Lillard along with, I think, Giannis and Steph are like the three main guys of the league known for that one L word that sometimes gets on my nerves. And I'm a Steph fan. No issue with Steph doing it, but I think every player should do what's right for them individually. Loyalty. There's nothing wrong with being loyal to the people closest to you in your life. Matter of fact, you should be. I think you're, you're not the greatest human being in the world if you're not. But when you're talking about being loyal to a business, a company, which essentially Dame is doing right now with Portland, a city that hits different, that, 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 that's individual people, that's families, that's the, the Blazers fan base. That hits different. I think that's the one thing that Dame is looking at. Like, man, I've given my heart and soul for 11 years to Rip City. All these great moments, but it's, forget rings. It's never even amounted to a finals appearance. It's never amounted to a Western Conference Finals win. They've gotten there, but they got swept by Golden State. And so Dame is at that stage of his career where he's looking at like, man, you know, I, I don't I don't have forever. You know, I'm in my 30s now. I've made a ton of money. I mean, Dame, there's a potential. Dame could is on track to, dare I say, become a, you know, not a billionaire, but make half a billion dollars by the time his career is done. Like Dame has, has raked it in uh, throughout his career, to his credit. But he's at that stage now where he's like, okay, I got my money, got my recognition. People understand who I am. People have, for the most part, given me the respect that I think I deserve. Now it's time for me to validate that with playoff success and not just winning a first round or in 2019, a second round series, but getting to the finals and showing up and showing out on the biggest of stages. And there were rumors about that Miami might be interested in Dame. And to me, it's a match made in basketball heaven. If you're looking at where the Portland Trailblazers are sitting today, they're not in the business of competing for championships right now. They're not. <laughs> they, listen, Dame's there, and they've got play, they got Jeremy Grant there. Obviously, they, they had Gary Payton before they traded him back to Golden State. Appreciate that, Portland, although you kind of negotiated uh, in bad faith uh, to a certain degree. But you look at the fact that for 
Portland, they've got Anthony Simons, who's a very talented kid. Shaden Sharp, who I loved out of the draft. One of the most athletic players in the NBA. Has nothing, nothing, and I do mean nothing, but upside on his side. And Chauncey Billups seems to me like the coach that can really develop young talent. But that's not where Dame is. Again, there's nothing wrong with where Portland's at as a franchise. But they're not in the business right now of competing for championships, and they've got a player that should be in the business for competing for championships. And so when you're considering all of those different things, Miami makes all the sense of the world. Miami has assets. They have draft picks. They have plenty of uh, of guys you know, that they could give up, uh, like a Tyler Hero potentially. You would probably have to give up a Bam out of bio, but what, what duo do you think leads you further in the playoffs? Jimmy Butler and Dame Lillard or Jimmy Butler and Bam out of bio? Now, Jimmy Butler and Bam have got to a finals. They've gotten to an Eastern Conference finals. I understand that. But in that finals, when Bam got hurt, it was Jimmy or bust. If Jimmy wasn't amazing, Miami would have gotten swept. Literally, it, it, those two games that Miami won, Jimmy, especially that game five would, when him and LeBron went toe-to-toe, he was out of this world. Miami would have had no shot of winning if he wasn't absolutely incredible. And then last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, Bam was, uh, he had some games where he kind of disappeared a little bit, while Jimmy was, for the most part, especially late in the series, carrying the brunt of the offensive load. Now you've got a guy in Dame who can take that load off of Jimmy's shoulders. And now for Miami, Dame has never been a good defender. Dame never will be a good defender in part because of his size. Well, Miami doesn't have to be. Miami, you've got plenty of wing defenders uh, on your team. And, you know, Pat Riley is, is known for finding diamond in the rough type players to just plug in there and, you know, try and make it happen. Not to mention that with all due respect to some of Dame's coaches in Portland, Eric Spolster would be by a mile the best coach that Damian Lillard has had in his career. Yes, is the Eastern Conference tough? Sure. But never forget, this was a Miami team with all the flaws they had that was one Jimmy Butler shot just a year ago of reaching the NBA Finals for the second time in two years. Brooklyn with Katie and Kyrie never did that. Milwaukee's been to one Finals with Giannis. Okay, Philadelphia's never been to a Conference Finals, much less a Finals. Cleveland, while they're really looking up, they got plenty of young talent. They're still not quite there yet. Again, I... I think Cleveland's one, one of the better teams in the NBA in terms of young talent. But the, it, it's just that. It's young. It's not quite ready to compete just yet. Miami is. So for both sides, this makes all the sense of the world. Portland, Dame has given you everything. His heart and soul for over a decade. Like he's, he's one of those guys, it's like he's earned the right, kind of like KG in Minnesota. KG gave everything he had for all those years to the Timberwolves. Only got to one Western Conference Finals. Not a ton of playoff success. Guy was so loyal to, to, to the Wolves. And he was like, you know, I, I want out. And the Timberwolves, who are a poorly run organization, as I talked about in detail on Monday's show, they felt an obligation. Let's send KG to the best situation. They sent him to Boston. And as KG would say, not long after, anything is possible. Got a championship out of it. I have a feeling Portland, who's certainly more well-run than Minnesota is, will feel a similar obligation to send their franchise guy to a great organization, to a well-run franchise, which the Miami Heat have always been, especially in the 21st century with Pat Riley and obviously Eric Spolstra, this being his 12th year as my, I'm sorry, 13th year as Miami's head coach. I think it makes all the sense in the world. So I'm going to be interesting to see, interested to see because, look, Dame has talked about he wants to win a championship in Portland. A, a championship in Portland will will mean more there than it will anywhere else. We understand that. But 
is it about how, you know, it, for Dame, you're sort of considering, okay, what, what matters more? Is it taking a coin flip if that shot that maybe the team around, the organization around me puts the necessary pieces in place to compete or join a ready-made situation and just go play basketball? Takes a lot of load off Dame's shoulders. He goes to Miami. That's a team that can p- compete for two of the next two of the next three years to potentially uh, go win an NBA championship. I think it makes all the sense in the world. Now, again, these are just rumors coming out of Miami. But listen, when we're talking about again an organization like the Heat, rumors don't just come out for no reason. Okay, Pat Riley is kind of like the evil genius, almost like uh, almost like a little bit of a mob boss, if you will. Like he he knows what he's doing. Okay, he's all, I always say on the show, Pat Riley's always got a plan. He always knows what he's doing. He's been around the NBA uh, for quite some time. This doesn't come out for just no reason. Uh, I could see Miami sending Bam, a number of draft picks, and some of their role players to Portland, particularly some of their younger uh, role players, to Portland for one Damian Lillard. Not to mention, Dame is the best rapper in the NBA. There's no question about that. You want to talk about an opportunity to flourish in that aspect of, uh, of your life away from basketball? Nothing gets Portland. I'm going to go out in the limit and say Miami is a, probably a better spot to do that. Okay, it, may, it may not be Los Angeles or Atlanta or New York, but Miami's still no joke. Okay, so strongly consider it, Mr. Lillard. Listen, Dan can't control where he goes in terms of what team, although I Pretty sure he has a no-trade clause, so if, if Portland were to just lowball him and try and send him to, like, you know, uh, Houston or something, yeah, he could say, no, I, I don't want to go to Houston. And they could they could say no, or that they wouldn't be able to, to, to make the deal. It's interesting, though. I, I, I Again, I've always been a Dame fan. I think he's been one of the most underrated players in the NBA over the course of his career. I think, you know, it, it's it's about time he plays for for a championship contender. And, you know, we'll, we'll see – We'll see how that plays out. And it's listen, it's just a shame considering how how great. So, like I said, we will see. Moving on, our only NFL topic of the day. And this is really the only NFL topics leading up to this point are really the draft. Like I had Ryan Flowers on the show yesterday. If you haven't seen that show, please go check it out. I had an absolute blast with my man, as always. Uh, and go check out his stuff on the grid. He's putting out some awesome draft content. But that's really at this point mid-April the draft is our primary focus. But also, you know, we're considering what the heck is going on with the Aaron Rodgers situation with the Jets. It's like the saga that will not end. And similar verbiage could be used to this next story. Lamar Jackson. Is he going to get paid or the Ravens going to pay him? Is he going to get franchise tag or are they going to trade? What's going on? It's it's been the endless story for the last year and particularly this offseason because for a time he was a free agent before the Ravens uh, put the franchise tag on him. But Ben Roethlisberger, who played in Lamar's division for four years, was talking about uh, Lamar Jackson. Ben Roethlisberger has a podcast, and he was talking about Lamar Jackson and uh, talking about how there's basically a hole in his game. He said, quote, about Lamar, quote, with Lamar, you want to bring the safeties down to help stop the run. You don't really fear Lamar's accuracy all the time. He's got a huge arm, and he can make things happen when he scrambles, but you don't fear him just sitting in the pocket and picking you apart. So you bring safeties down because you do fear him running because he's a different level runner, so you fear that. But now, if you've got a guy on the outside, you better put a safety back or it's one-on-one. You can just throw it to him. 
So it definitely creates some potential opportunities for that offense and for Lamar to run if he has to or take those big shots down the field if he needs to, uh, if they bring those safeties down. So essentially, again, the, the, the particular defense he's talking about is essentially what you would use for a quarterback who is a liability. Let's just keep it real. If you look at how teams play other teams with like their backup quarterback in, or like, for example, not to throw shade at a former AFC North quarterback, but, you know, I have to in this situation. When Baker Mayfield was in Cleveland, notice the defense, especially those last couple of years, when he had Nick Chubb, Chubb and Kareem Hunt and a fantastic offensive line, and the Browns running game was really what got Baker, especially in 2020, into that rhythm where he helped them get to the playoffs that year. Again, if you, if you watch how the defenses played him, and how Baker, primarily his success came from the play-action pass, You'll see how defenses fear certain quarterbacks and not others. <sighs> Once again, and I, I don't think I'll ever understand it. I really don't. This continued false narrative. that Lamar Jackson is not a threat to beat you from the pocket. It's BS. Lamar has consistently been one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the NFL from the pocket. I remember there was a point in last year, I remember just a couple games before he went down with injury and didn't play the rest of the season, he was in like the top three, top five, something like that, in completion percentage from the pocket. In QBR, in passer rating, from the pocket. Some of what Ben Roethlisberger is talking about in terms of the defense that they're throwing at Lamar, you know why they play that defense? Yes, because in part because he's such a threat with his legs. Yes, in part because J.K. Dobbins and some of the other running backs they've had there, Gus Edwards, have been tremendous and a great Ravens offensive line. You know another reason? It very well, just throwing this out there, could be Ravens haven't had very good receivers since Lamar's been there. And this is why I gave them all the credit in the world for going out and getting Odell. And while I have concerns about whether or not Odell can truly be that number one receiver at this stage of his career going into year 10 after a year off, it's better what they have. They've had, I mean, you could argue maybe Hollywood Brown, but even he was never, I mean, there's a reason the Ravens traded him, right? Mark Andrews, who's a tremendous tight end, can be a deep threat, but is more of a security blanket for Lamar Jackson. It's more of a red zone target for Lamar Jackson. Outside of that, you're talking about Devin Duvernay's, uh, Devin Duvernay's of the world and and Joe Schmo and Colonel Sanders. I mean, it, he's throwing to nobody. Yeah, of course your defense isn't going to respect you as much. You say, well, what about Kansas City? Uh, Kansas City outside of Kelsey doesn't really have any, any big-time threats. I mean, Juju and Justin Watson are just re-signed today and all these other guys. Folks, we've got to get out of the business of comparing guys to Patrick Mahomes. He's one of one. Can't compare Burrow to him. Can't compare Herbert to him. Lawrence, Rodgers, Lamar, Hurts, anybody. He's he's in a league of his own. Every other quarterback in football needs elite skill position players around him. I've made the case that Joe Burrow is in that category with Mahomes as far as you could put whatever you want around him. He'll still be successful. And while I still somewhat believe that to be true, I mean, he has Jamar Chase, he has T. Higgins, he has Hayden Hurst. You got Tyler Boyd, who's probably the best slot receiver in football, along with Hunter Renfro. 
I mean, you know, Josh Allen has Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Like this notion that we, sure, the quarterback has to elevate, guys. There's no question about that. It's just no coincidence that A.J. Brown was much a much better wide receiver with Jalen Hurts than with Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's a good quarterback. Jalen Hurts, to me, is a top five quarterback. I think he proved that over this, the course of this past season. But we've got to get away from this narrative that because Lamar isn't the perfect quarterback in that his game is very, very different from some of the other top guys in the league, folks act as if it hasn't been successful. Folks act like he hasn't been one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league from the pocket. Folks act like he hasn't been one of the most clutch quarterbacks in the NFL. You look at his game when he drives. You look at the fact that, again, Baltimore, with him and without him, their offense is night and day. They can barely move the ball down the field without Lamar with Tyler Huntley. Listen, I like Tyler Huntley. He's a, he's a nice backup quarterback. He's a good fit for Lamar as a backup. But when Lamar is in there with, again, Mark Andrews, after that, nobody. You know, John Harbaugh, the head coach of the Ravens, had a, had a saying. I don't know. He may, may still have the saying. Uh, back when the Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2012, he said, who's got it better than us? Nobody. Well, that's who Lamar Jackson's throwing to. Nobody. <laughs> it's, now, again, he's got Odell now, which is not great over what he had. But, and listen, I'm not questioning for a second. Ben Roethlisberger's football acumen, IQ, Although I think there are many concerns that you can have about Big Ben in terms of his offseason commitment. There's a reason he didn't age terribly well, didn't take all that great care of his body. But that aside, I don't question whatsoever. Ben Roethlisberger knows more football, has forgotten more football than I'll ever know. Than most of us will ever know. But I, I think he's also, narratives are strong now, athletes listen to him. I think he's also fallen into this similar trap that a lot of people have. That Lamar is just this gadget guy who throws on occasion that you can't trust to make the big throws. I've seen Lamar Jackson outplay Patrick Mahomes in games in the past. I've seen him go toe-to-toe with Trevor Lawrence. I've seen him go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen. I mean, how much more do we need to see from the guy? It's the same questions I've asked about the Ravens. You can say that Lamar has handled this contract negotiation not as well as you would hope, and I would agree with you. I think he has taken some steps in this process that have been questionable. Absent not having an agent, because I don't think that's that's been an issue at all. I mean, Laramie Tunsil didn't have an agent. Got the biggest contract of any left tackle ever. DeAndre Hopkins didn't have an agent. Got a huge deal. If the, play, if the team wants to pay you, they'll pay you. I, I'm just questioning... This Now, if you want to say we worry about Lamar's durability, that's a fair argument to make. He's missed 11 games over the last two years. That is an absolutely fair argument. But the notion that he just can't make throws, it's false. It is is a flat-out false narrative that Lamar Jackson has continuously, year in and year out, gotten better at and proved people wrong about said criticism. I, I don't get it for the life of me. I really don't. Listen, like I said, I respect Ben Roethlisberger, I respect his opinion, but I I do not know what he's talking about here. Uh, he he's he he he's tripping on this one, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but as far as Lamar's contract negotiation process, got nothing new on carving it up because I don't think anybody really has anything new. At least that anybody's made public. 
And we continue to wait. We continue to wait for Lamar Jackson and what his decision will be. What, more importantly, the Ravens' decision will be. I mean, I, I saw a mock draft the other day that had them taking a quarterback. It wasn't Anthony. I forgot who it was. Um, I think it was like them trading up to get Will Levis. I remember them taking a quarterback, uh, which in a mock draft that I saw recently, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. If they do that, then they'll almost certainly trade Lamar. I mean, if you know you're going to lose him after this year, you might as well get something for him. There's somebody would give him a haul for Lamar Jackson. Come on now. Let's see. We've got a comment here uh, from Fat Hill Jeffrey. I hope I'm saying your name correctly. Um, says, why is Dame getting traded? Well, he's not getting traded as of now. Like I said, just did the segment on Dame about, just finished about five, six, seven minutes ago. The thing with Dame that I was talking about is that Dame, in, in, in an interview, it really with a, in a discussion on that uh, NBA play and live stream show on ESPN2, he was talking to Stephen A. Smith and was essentially saying that, hey, if Portland doesn't make the moves to put ourselves in championship contention, then we're going to need to start having a discussion. He was talking about, I need to have a discussion with them. They need to have a discussion with me. And we probably, we may, in paraphrasing, we could have to go our separate ways. Which is probably the biggest statement that Dame has made to this point regarding his future status as a Portland Trailblazer. I think it's just, it's really interesting. And again, I think Miami makes all the sense in the world. They have what Portland needs, and Portland has what Miami needs, and that's another shot creator to go along with Jimmy Butler. And, and we know and we know that uh, that 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 Pat Riley is going to put the requisite pieces around them in order to contend because he's Pat Riley. That's what he does. And Eric Spolstra, because he's a fantastic coach, is going to get the best out of said talent. Uh, let's see. Uh, Fadil says, what do you think is better? Dame traded for rebuild or build around Dame? I think it has to be Dame being traded because of the fact that he's been there 11 years. And they, outside of 2019, when they got to the Western Conference Finals. And again, do I think Portland that year was one of the two best teams in the West? I don't. I think Houston was better than Portland. I think that's evidenced by the fact that Golden State got taken six games by Houston. And then Golden State comes in the Western Conference Finals, by the way, with no Kevin Durant. Doesn't play a single minute of the series, and they sweep Portland. It was a close sweep, if that's a thing, but they swept them when it was all said and done. I think they've tried to build around Dame for 11 years, and part of it is free agents just aren't going to go to Portland. I mean, there's a, a funny you know, a funny reason the NBA is never, is, isn't going to have the All-Star game in Portland probably ever. They don't have, have enough hotels. It's like when Jacksonville years ago had the Super Bowl, like 15 years ago or something like that, and they didn't have enough. They It was a disaster because they didn't have enough hotels for like the medium, for the players, team, all the people traveling down to Florida for the Super Bowl. Uh, I think it's time to pull the plug. I've been saying this for two years now. And what's changed? Portland's gotten younger. Great. Build around that talent. Try and get this thing back you know, to where you want it to be as a franchise. But Dame is too good of a player to just be wasting away in a team that's the 13th seed in the weaker conference. That's all I got to say. You got you to build a team around Dame. Miami does, at least. And I know Boston was, was, was brought up as well as a potential destination. That Listen, that would make sense, too. Uh, they would probably move Jalen Brown. They can't move Grant Williams because Grant's going to be a free agent. They, I think, well, no, I think Robert Williams might be a free agent as well. 
Uh, Al Horford, they probably won't move him. I, I doubt he wants to go to a rebuild, re- rebuilding situation at this stage of his career. It, it's going to be interesting. Now, it's going to be all NBA the rest of the show because we're in the NBA playoffs. I've got my top 10 players in the NBA coming up. My top 10 players in the NBA going into the playoffs. And trust you me, it will be a different list two months from now because the playoffs, listen, that changes everything. It can elevate you. It can keep you kind of the same. Or it can it can bring you down uh, in terms of how people view you and really how you should or should not uh, be viewed as an individual player. And then at the end of today's show, I'll predict the playing games tonight. Chicago, Miami, Oklahoma City, Minnesota. And then most importantly, I'll break the very first round of the NBA playoffs. Cannot wait. Uh, let's see. Oh, Fat Hill saying, give me your top 10 NBA players now with who do you think is the MVP this season? Well, I can answer one of those questions. I cannot give you top 10 players. You're going to have to wait for this segment. Uh, if you're not going to be able to watch it live, I totally understand. Uh, just please be sure to check it out later. I'll, I'll see if I can put the, the clip on YouTube. But who do I think is the MVP? I've, I've been pretty vocal about this for about two weeks. I think it's Joel Embiid. I think when you consider the numbers that he is putting up this season, I mean, the man's averaging 33 and 10 off of over 55% shooting. Uh, he's, again... When he played Giannis, went tit-for-tat with him, toe-to-toe, back and forth, with, again, a guy who many consider to be the best player in the NBA. Not to mention the fact that when Giannis is gone, the Bucs are still a tremendous basketball team. They had a winning record. That's why it's because they're one of the deepest teams in the NBA. And when Embiid played Jokic, you know, dropped a 40-burger with, you know, was 18 rebounds, uh, cooked the guy. Cook, Nikola Jokic. Wasn't even close. But I think I think Embiid's the MVP. I'd vote Giannis second, Jokic third. And if you give me a fourth and fifth, I'd put Shea Gill just fourth, Tatum fifth. Because I take the V word valuable very, very, very seriously. Very seriously. Okay, so moving on to a team that is in the NBA playoffs today. Shocker, shocker, the Golden State Warriors. They're pretty good. And I got a guy back, officially, who's a pretty good basketball player. Andrew Wiggins is back. According to Steve Kerr, he is going to play in game one of the series. It looks like there was a report by, I think it was Shams yesterday, that was talking about they're probably going to bring him off the bench, play him 21 to 25 minutes, put him on a minutes restriction, which is absolutely the right decision to make. Listen, he hasn't played basketball in almost two months, or at least an NBA game for two months. You get an opportunity. You've got plenty of guys who have played excellent for Golden State as of late in his absence. Guys like Jonathan Kaminga, who I anticipate will probably start game one. Dante DiVincenzo, Gary Payton, guys who have really, really stepped up in Wiggs' absence. So you ease Wiggs back in, which to me is why Sacramento was the absolute ideal matchup for the Golden State Warriors. It's why I've campaigned for like a month and a half. Golden State, however you got to do it, get the six seed. And remember I said a week and a half ago, if you remember... I talked about the Warriors losing to the Jokic-less Nuggets. And everybody's freaking out. Oh, my God, how could you? I said, no, no, no. This is chess, not checkers, ladies and gentlemen. This will help Golden State in the long run. Because had they won that game, they'd be the five seed playing the Kevin Durant-led Phoenix Suns. Instead, they get the Sacramento Kings, who, while they are unbelievable on offense, they have zero playoff experience outside of Harrison Barnes and DeMontis Sabonis and play Basically no defense. 25th in the NBA in defense. That's why I said when I did my playoff weaknesses yesterday, the Kings are the kings of offense and the peasants of defense. Number one in offense, 25th in defense. That's who the Sacramento Kings are. 
But anyways, Wiggins is coming back. So what impact does this have on the Golden State Warriors going into the playoffs? Well, people forget that last year, obviously Steph was the best player in the Warriors. That goes without saying. Clay Thompson was not the second best warrior in the playoffs last year. Draymond Green was not the second best player in the Warriors last year. And it obviously wasn't guys like Kevon Looney or even Jordan Poole who had his moments, but was not the second best player. The second best player in the Warriors last year in the postseason consistently from start to finish was one Andrew Wiggins. In the finals, he averaged a double-double. If you remember that game five, remember game five, series tied 2-2 against Boston after Stephen had probably the greatest game of his career in game four to carry Golden State to a win. Game five, Steph was like 0 for 9 from three. He was terrible offensively. Now, he got other guys involved. He had a good number of assists, but in terms of his efficiency, he was awful. And here came Andrew Wiggins to save the day. I think he had like 26, 27 points, something like that, and like 15 rebounds. Probably the biggest game of his life, and he played incredible. Again, average a double-double for the NBA Finals. Not to mention... His defense. Look what he did to Jason Tatum in the NBA Finals. The round before that, look what he did to Luka Doncic. Luka still put up big numbers, but had to work for all of it and was not great in terms of his efficiency. What Andrew Wiggins provides, and last year was especially critical because Clay was coming off of the injuries. Clay, most of the time, uh, for, for, for really the majority of the dynasty, has been like the primary, him and Andre Iguodala, although Iguodala is, is, is much older now, but Clay was kind of the primary wing defender for Golden State. He'd take the best guards or the best perimeter players on the outside. And Clay was great at just making life hard on them. The guy, they'd still get theirs, but Clay would make it tough on them. Well, that's what Andrew Wiggins is able to do. Well, Clay, while he's not the defender that he was pre injuries, is still very, very good on that side of the floor. Draymond Green, when he's in the lineup, Golden State is a top five defensive basketball. When he's not, they're below average, below league average. So he can still play. This notion that Draymond's just fading off, is he what he used to be? No, he's still one of the five best defenders. Heck, one of the best three defenders in all basketball. He's incredibly versatile. Kevon Looney's good in the perimeter, excellent inside, and is an offensive rebounding machine. You pair Andrew Wiggins with all that? Not to mention, again, because of the number of wing guys that Golden State has, Kaminga, DiVincenzo, Payton, you're able to ease Wiggins back in. He'll eventually at some point, I'd say this round, by what, game three, game four maybe, be in the starting lineups. So then you can move Kaminga back down to the bench with those guys I mentioned, Peyton DiVincenzo. And Poole, not to mention, is, is your shot creator off the bench. I don't think I'm going out and limb and saying the Golden State Warriors are back to what they were a year ago. I would almost argue because of how the West is not as good this year as it was last year. Dare I say the Golden State Warriors could be just a smidgen better in the postseason this year than they were a year ago. And if you remember, the Warriors lost a grand total of four playoff games before the finals. 12-4 and four going into the finals, and then obviously beat Boston in six. Wiggins' impact cannot be understated. Not to mention, by the way, and the one attribute of Andrew Wiggins' game that, to me, doesn't get enough credit, he's a tremendous three-point shooter. Yeah, if you look at Andrew Wiggins' uh, shooting splits this season, they're as good as anybody uh, on the Warriors outside of Steph. Again, average of 17 a game with five rebounds, uh, shoots 47% for the field, shoots 39.6. Round that up, that's 40% from three-point range. Now, from the line, he leaves a lot to be desired. He's a career 72% free-throw shooter, 
before he left for personal reasons, he was 61%. So free throw shooting has never been Wiggins' thing. But in terms of knocking down open shots, even creating his own shot from the mid-range, he's got a nice floater in the paint, got a nice handle. The best wing defender on the Warriors? Yeah, yeah, he's absolutely a massive, massive addition to the Warriors going into the postseason. So, listen, I said before the season began, back in October, I had the Warriors winning it all and going back-to-back. You could say a little bit of bias plays into that. Sure, no problem with you saying that, because they are my team. But man, this is, in what has been a weird, weird season, this is the best I've felt in terms of confidence. Because I said all year long, or when, during Wiggins' absence, I said, I, I think Golden State can actually win the West without Wiggins. I do not think they can win the championship without him. When you talk about teams with great per- perimeter players like Milwaukee and Boston, potentially Philadelphia, man, that could be a problem in the long run for, for Golden State if they don't have him. Now, we do have him. We ease him back in. Now I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I must, I, I must not lie. I must not lie. So, again, the postseason, we're te- actually, we technically already started the postseason, if you want to call it that, with the playing games. The playoffs starts tomorrow. Again, I think the first game is on ESPN at 1 p.m. Eastern, I think. Is it like Brooklyn and Philly? Yeah, Brooklyn and Philly, 1 Eastern, 10 uh, Pacific on ESPN. Uh, Philadelphia, just in case you're wondering, is, is an eight and a half point favorite. A lot of big favorites in the, the, uh, going into the first round. You've got uh, Sixers are a eight and a half point home favorite over Brooklyn. Boston's a nine point favorite over Atlanta. Uh, the Cavs, pretty comfortable favorite, minus five and a half against the Knicks. Right now, Golden State and Sacramento, it's even. It's dead even. It's, it was Sacktown minus one. Maybe it could go to Golden State minus one. But it's kind of like been right in the middle, which obviously favors the Warriors as the road team. Uh, and then Memphis is a slight favorite over the Lakers in game one, minus three and a half. Phoenix, a pretty comfortable favorite, minus seven against the Clippers. And again, the Nuggets and the Bucks are waiting tonight to see who they're first-round opponent is. Doesn't it seem a little bit unfair, though? I was thinking about this. Doesn't it seem at least a little unfair that the best team in either conference, record-wise, Bucks out east, Nuggets out west, are almost at a disadvantage? Because they don't know until 48 hours before game one who their opponent is. I think, I don't know, I feel like the play-in, as much as I love it, I think it's been great for the NBA. I think to a certain degree it's minimized tanking all the Dallas Mavericks. You saw they got punished today getting fined 70, 750K, which is pocket change for, for them. But they had something to say about that. But all in all, by and large, I think it's to a certain degree reduced tanking. And I think it's been great. Again, I've always talked about the greatest ratings for sports is when there's a sense of urgency in the play-in. There's just that. You saw it by the product on the court. You saw it by the intensity by the players and coaches and fans. It's great. But the only downside is it kind of screws the number one seeds. Two seeds to a certain degree, but the two seeds know who they're playing. Memphis is playing the Lakers. And the Celtics are playing the Hawks. They know that. Milwaukee will not know until about 9.30 Eastern who they're playing. And Denver won't know until about midnight Eastern who they're playing, which is on Sunday. So that's interesting. Uh, Fat Hill Jeffrey says, Lakers are going to win it all. Listen, I think they're a threat. Again, it's all hin- it's all hinging on what Anthony Davis gives you. It's all hinging. I know what I'm getting for LeBron James. Am I getting 2018 LeBron? No. To me, that was probably his greatest postseason run because he took a terrible Cavs team to the freaking finals. That's 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 why LeBron is 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 LeBron. I think the role players since the deadline moves two months ago have been a seamless fit. Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, D'Angelo Russell. While he had a bad shooting night against the Timberwolves, 
all in all, he's been a tremendous kid. Certainly an upgrade over Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly in the backcourt. Dennis Schroeder has played well since they've made those moves. Obviously, got Mo Bamba. I'm not sure what his availability is right now. Role players, Austin Reeves, I think the role player is going to step up. It all comes down to AD. If his aggressiveness, if his mentality is in the right spot, that's as tough of a team as there is in the Western Conference. Absolutely. And, again, you asked me as a Warriors fan. I'll give my playoff predictions later in the show. But if you ask me as a Warriors fan, who would I if we beat Sacramento, who would I rather face in the second round? The Grizzlies or the Lakers? I'd say I'd, I'd be begging for the Grizzlies. I'll tell you, I'm, I haven't told you who I'm rooting for or who I'm picking, but I'm rooting for Memphis. I want Memphis to win because I'd much rather face them than the Lakers. And by the way, if we get the Lakers, guess what we get? Home court advantage. We're the sixth seed. They're the seventh seed, which would be crazy. The sixth seed getting home court. But that's uh, that's interesting. Uh, Fat Hill Jeffrey says, hot take. MJ can't get the Cavs to the finals in 2018 like LeBron. Sir, I agree with you. I agree with you. Michael Jordan, while clearly to me, the second best player, and I always say, I don't think you can have an intelligent basketball conversation if Jordan and LeBron aren't your top two players. That to me, they have clearly separated themselves from everybody else. With all due respect to Kareem, Kobe, Magic, everybody else. It's those two. Whatever order you have them in, I got no issue. But it's those two. No question about it. But Michael Jordan has one playoff win. Not series win. He's won one playoff game absent Scottie Pippen. He has zero championships without Phil Jackson. In the doesn't diminish Michael's greatness at all. Does not take away from what he did. Winning six championships and five MVPs. But it's intellectually dishonest to say Michael played in some of the greatest teams of all time. Michael played with inarguably the greatest coach of all time. One of the 50 greatest players of all time was Scottie Pippen. For the second half of the dynasty, one of the 50 greatest players, I'm sorry, 75 greatest players ever, Dennis Rodman. LeBron James, second best player was Kevin Love, who was fine in 2018. But then you're talking about an old J.R. Smith, an old George Hill, an old Tristan Thompson, a young, too young, Jordan Clarkson. Gosh, who else was on that team? Uh, an old Kyle Korver, who was terrible in the 2018 finals. I know I'm missing somebody. Um, no, I think that's that's pretty much it. That Cavs team had absolutely no business being in the finals. None. And that's why you saw Golden State sweep them without really. I mean, I, as a Warriors fan, I remember that series. Steph was great. KD was great. I didn't think Golden State played that well in the finals, but they didn't have to. Now, had they been forced to, would they? Yeah, I think they would have. Again, any great team can flip the switch. There is a switch for anybody to flip, but. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
That's the most unimpressive sweep, and I'm speaking as a Warriors fan, that I had seen uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers back in 2018. Because, again, Cleveland had absolutely no business being uh, in the NBA Finals. None. Which was evidenced by the following year. No LeBron, same roster. They won 19 games. And they fired Ty Lue six games into the season. So, just throwing that out there. But I agree with your comment, though. So, all that to say this. Andrew Wiggins is a big addition. For the Golden State Warriors. Re-edition, rather. Okay, so we are, again, less than 24 hours away from the official start of the NBA playoffs. And we know superstars get the job done. Got to put the requisite talent around them. We understand that. But if you have that dude, if you have the guy who can, for at least a game, if not two or more, Put the team on his back and be able to steal a couple games. You got a chance to win it all. Now, these are my top 10. I'm giving you my top 10 players in the NBA going into the postseason. Now, not all 10 players are in the playoffs. I'm not talking about 10 best playoff players. 10 best players in the NBA with the playoffs beginning. So there's going to be a couple guys on here who are in it but are still best player, uh, you know, some of the 10 best players uh, in, in, in all the world. So if we can get the background music going uh, about right now and go and start this list, my top 10 players in the NBA. So, number 10. Top 10 players in the NBA going the postseason. I, at number 10, I've got Dame Dalla. One, Damian Lillard, who I just did a segment about to start this show. His incredible season is almost getting overshadowed because of the fact that Portland didn't have a good season, finished 13, uh, 13th in the West, was essentially tanking at the end of the season. Can we give Damian Lillard the credit he deserves, the fact that he averaged 32 a game, the fact that he had a 71-point game in his resume? There's no Steph Curry aside. There is no player in the NBA you want taking a shot, basically a step or two inside of half court the one Damian Lillard. He's also good at getting the basket, getting the rim, good free throw shooter, can create his own shot with the best of them. And again, not to mention, is undoubtedly one of the most clutch players in the NBA. As I mentioned, two series-ending buzzer beaters in the playoffs. Only Michael Jordan can say that. Uh, Again, you talk about his handle, ability to get any shot where he wants it, when he wants it, particularly from way, way outside. They don't call him Logo Lillard for no reason. Uh, Damian Lillard, who I think uh, should be an All-NBA player, uh, no question about it. I said second-team All-NBA for Dame. Number 10, 10th best player in the NBA. At number 9, now we're getting to some of the playoff players. At number 9, I've got Kawhi Leonard. Now, Kawhi, by his standards, had a little bit of a down season. Average about 23 a game with solid efficiency, you got to realize it's coming off of an injury up until this season. He hadn't played an NBA game in about a year and a half. And we, we often forget Kawhi is, has essentially no legacy in the regular season. I mean, name the great Kawhi Leonard regular season moment. I, I really can't. I remember there was a game against the Rockets years ago where he had like a game-winning three and then a game-winning block on James Harden. That's it. That's the, that's the only thing that comes to my mind. And I don't look at that even in the ballpark of quote-unquote iconic. But Kawhi in the playoffs is a different story. And again, this is why I say the playoffs make or break you as a player. When you talk about what Kawhi did for the Raptors in 2019, some of those huge games, forget just the Game 7 buzzer beater to beat 
Philadelphia, the only Game 7 buzzer beater of all time. Think about what he did in 2021 with the Clippers. They're down 2-0 to the Dallas Mavericks in the first round. They're down 3-2 with a Game 6 in Dallas. And Kawhi plays absolutely fantastic. Against the Jazz of the second round, again, down 2-0. Kawhi was amazing. Yeah, he had, he had a 40-point game or two in there. A remarkable efficiency. Great defense. Again, Kawhi is one of those guys who you you you, you feel like doesn't quite... I don't want to say doesn't sense the pressure or the magnitude of the moment, but it doesn't like register to him in a good way. It's not that he doesn't realize how big the game is. It's that it's just another game of basketball. His mind see the same mindset every single basketball game. He's as cool, calm, collected as anybody in the NBA. The only reason I've got him at nine is, again, not his greatest season this year and because of the fact you worry about health. That's the only thing to me that's going to hold the Clippers back in the long run. Uh, but I think Kawhi, I'll make my playoff predictions after the segment. I think Kawhi has the potential to have a big, big series against the Phoenix Suns. At number eight, the guy who, to me, while phenomenal, inexplicably has two MVPs. But he's still fantastic. And that is, of course, the Joker himself, Nikola Jokic. Uh, again, Jokic is a guy, we talk about efficiency. That That's something that means a lot to me as, as a basketball fan. That's why I love Steph and LeBron and Kevin Durant and Giannis. Nicole Jokic is, is as efficient as anybody. Guy shoot, shoots like 60% from the field. He can knock down a three-pointer, although that's not really his game. He's got a beautiful, great footwork down low. He's the best. He, he, he's basically invented a new position in the NBA, the point forward. I mean, do we ever think we'd see an NBA center be a triple-double threat every night? No. I mean, the guy's putting up like Jason Kidd numbers, but with more points. Now, in terms of scoring, this was a down year for him with 24 points a game. But the guy is is a, is better in terms of running the offense than a lot of point guards. I mean, he's kind of a unicorn. We've never really seen a player quite like uh, Nikola Jokic. I've got him at eighth. I've got him lower than I, get, I think some people would have him for the simple fact that he's lost eight of his last nine playoff games. That That's something he's got to change. Again, last two years, no expectations of the playoffs. None. There's no Jamal Murray. Last year, there was no Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr., they, they were not supposed to beat the Phoenix Suns in 2021. They dang sure weren't supposed to beat the Warriors last year. Different story this year. The Nuggets are the one seed. You've got people, I've seen some people predicting the Nuggets to go to the NBA Finals. I think that's a possibility. But he's got to be better defensively, and he's got to be better in the biggest moments uh, and not just getting blown off the floor by great teams, Phoenix Golden State, yes. But for a game, two, but you put the team in your back, and get a W. He's got Jamal Murray now. He's had a good season. Michael Porter Jr. has some good moments this year. They added KCP. Let's see what you got, Jokic. You've got the requisite talent now. We'll see how it turns out. The seventh best player in the NBA going into the postseason to me is Jason Tatum. I feel like, and this is why, I've defended him since last year's finals. I feel like we're letting his performance in the finals overshadow what he did to that point and what he's done since. Now, am I concerned about his mentality, about his aggressiveness? You betcha. However, we can't just forget the fact that last year in the first round against the Nets, completely outplayed Kevin Durant. There's no question about it. In the second round, facing the Milwaukee Bucks, who obviously had the better player in Giannis, remember that game six? Season on the line, on the road in Milwaukee, Jason Tatum drops 46 points. In Giannis's house, forces a game seven, which the Bucks win. Uh, I'm sorry, which the Celtics win in a rout. 
played well. Won Eastern Conference Finals MVP against the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. And while a lot of players, a lot of star players, could maybe regress a little bit, let, let the failures of last year's finals kind of get to them psychologically, mentally, Jason Tatum did not. Averaged 30 points a game, which is a career high, and is almost un, is almost certainly, for the second straight year, going to be first-team All-NBA. He's, he's improved also, uh, to his credit, on the defensive end. I think he's averaging like a career high in steals. He can take the best wing players one-on-one. He's one of the most underrated scorers in the NBA. Does it at a fairly efficient level. Uh, I think, listen, last year's finals was, was a dud by his standards. There's no question about it. Some of the credit, I think, should go to Golden State, and some of the blame goes on Tatum for his performance. But I, I, I think you're going to see a Jason Tatum in these playoffs. While I have some concerns about his mindset, his mentality in the biggest spots, we can't just discount what he did last year, and we dang sure can't discount what he did this regular season. And Boston has as good a chance as anybody to win the championship this year. Jason Tatum, to me, is the seventh best player in the NBA. At number six, this is the only other guy, yeah, only other guy on this list that uh, that does not uh, that did not make the playoffs, and that is Luka Doncic. Now, I had Luka as the fourth best player in the NBA coming out of last year's playoffs. Again, I do this list before and after the postseason because it does change. Uh, again, Luka had a fantastic year, average thirty-two, eight and eight. You're gonna you'll, you'll take that any day of the week. The problem with Luka, and I detailed this a little bit last week on the show, going into some of the playing games, or I'm sorry, a Monday show. The thing that I worry about a little bit with Luka is, A, while Kyrie, we understand that the the locker room negative that he can be, some of the blame has to fall on the best player for not making the playoffs. It can't all be Kyrie's fault. Blame goes on Kyrie, no question. But some of the blame has got to go on the guy who led Dallas to the Western Conference Finals last year. Could you at least make the play-in tournament? Luka's got to improve defensively. Uh, again, I've talked about you know his he part of the reason he's so bad defensively is because he's consistently uh, complaining to the refs. He's got to clean that up. Um, again, he's one of the best scorers in the NBA. He's the reason I put him just outside the top five is simply because Dallas did not even make the play in tournament. I think that's at least a little ding on Luka Doncic. That said, I think he'll rebound next year. Luka Doncic to me is the sixth best player in the NBA. Now into the Fab Five, the top five players in all basketball, and to me, in all of the planets. Number five, Joel Embiid, the guy who I think absolutely should be this year's most valuable player. Again, the guy averaged 33-10. and 10. This is the second straight year that he's won the scoring title. Again, he's putting up numbers. I'm not saying he's as good as this guy, so don't get on me. But putting up numbers similar to Shaquille O'Neal. Similar. And unlike Shaq, has a good mid-range game, can handle the ball fairly well, can knock down an outside shot, and I think is a better defender than Shaq in the paint. I don't think there's any question about it. You're talking about his length, talking about his anticipation, his physicality. The only reason Joel Embiid's at five, considering what he's done the last two regular seasons, leading the league in scoring the last two years, and being in the MVP discussion year in and year out. The only thing for me with Embiid, he has yet to play in a conference finals. And this will be his sixth trip to the playoffs in his career. Philadelphia, to me, has as much pressure on them as any team in the NBA. I put them up there with Phoenix and Boston. Like, all the pressure on the world on these teams. Like, that have never won a championship. At least Phoenix and Boston have been the last two NBA Finals runner-ups. Philadelphia can't even at least be an Eastern Conference runner-up. 
and he's had his opportunities. Some of it's been bad luck in terms of health, uh, whether it be he got sick one year, he's dealt with injuries, others. Listen, I'm worried about James Harden in the postseason because I'm always worried about James Harden in the postseason, and the same could be said about Doc Rivers. This has got to be a situation in which if Joel Embiid can get anything from Harden, positive in the playoffs, if his role players step up, he's got to be that dude, give me the ball, get out the bleeping way, and let me go win this series. There's a good chance they'll face the Boston Celtics in the second round. They will need Joel Embiid to be the best player on the floor. He's capable of doing that. He's got to make a conference finals. He's got to at least get to the final four, essentially, of the NBA playoffs. Joel Embiid, to me, is the fifth best player in all basketball. At number four, the fact that he is even this high is ridiculous. LeBron James. LeBron James, as that kid said back in the day. LeBron James is the fourth best player in all basketball. Uh, <laughs> how, how does 29, 8, and 7 sound in year 20? Shooting 50% from the field. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We don't even need to get into the fact that he, you know, broke the all-time scoring record and is going to shatter it when he's all said and done. But the fact that when the Lakers finally, when Rob Polinka finally came to his senses at this trade deadline and hit it out of the park, with the deals that he made when they finally got the requisite talent around LeBron James. Oh, what do you know? A Lakers team that was 13th in the West at one point in February is now in the playoffs as the seventh seed facing the Memphis Grizzlies. Is LeBron as good defensively in years past? No. Again, he's in year 20. He plays his best defense in spurts, right? Like Le- LeBron isn't going to be the best defender on the floor 48 minutes of the game. That's just not, that's, I, you could argue in his prime, like back in Miami, he was that. He's not that now. You know, he's, he's dealt with some injuries. He's, he's falling apart somewhat uh, physically. But he's still as good of a passer as there is in the NBA. There's no player in the NBA, with all due respect to Steph and KD, who has as much playoff experience and championship pedigree uh, in, as, as LeBron James does. He's still, to me, clearly the best player on the Lakers. AD can be on certain nights, but I know what I'm getting from LeBron night in and night out, even, again, in year 20. 29-8-7, leading a team from the 13th seed in February to the playoffs in April. Lakers are going to be a factor in the Western Conference. LeBron James, to me, is the fourth best player in the NBA. At number three, the guy who won finals MVP twice at LeBron's expense, Kevin Durant. One of the biggest mid-season trades in NBA history. Maybe the biggest, depending on how this all pans out in Phoenix. Had Kevin Durant played enough games to me, he would have been the MVP of the regular season. We talk all the time about efficiency in terms of 50, 40, 90 seasons. Not a lot of guys have done that. We talk about Larry Bird, Steve Nash, Steph Curry, uh, Kyrie Irving did it a couple of years ago. Shooting 50 from the field, 40 from three, 90 from the line is an incredible feat. It's so hard to do. Kevin Durant said, I'm going to one-up y'all. I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to do something that has never been done before. 50, 
45% from the field, 40% from three, 90% from the stripe. Oh, by the way, while averaging basically 30 points a game. I've always said, Kevin Durant is the most gifted scorer that the game of basketball has ever seen. That's not saying he's the best, but he's the most gifted. He makes putting the ball in the hoop look easier than any player I've ever seen in my life. Ever. I think in the history of the NBA, with all due respect to Kareem and Kobe and and and, and LeBron and Carl Malone and, and, and Kobe and Michael Jordan, I've never seen anything like this guy in terms of how easy he makes scoring the basketball look. Um, Phoenix is arguably the favorites today to win the Western Conference. This is in large part because of going out and getting Kevin Durant. Uh, not to mention, he's a good defender. He's a, still, to this day, a tremendous rim protector, which is to be expected somewhat at 6'11", but we, we think of his offense so much that we often forget his defense. He's one of the better defensive players, certainly on this list. Uh, again, there's I think there's some pressure on KD, but then you look at the fact, folks, he was... He's a two-time Finals MVP. I, if Katie still has to validate his greatness, I think we're having the wrong conversations. Kevin Durant, to me, has absolutely elevated himself to be one of the three best players in all of basketball. He's at number three. At number two, the 2021 Finals MVP, the Greek freak himself, Mr. Giannis Antetokounmpo, out of Greece. Uh, again, I would have voted Giannis MVP last year. I would vote him second for MVP this year. But again, I don't even think it's arguable. The best two-way player in basketball. He can give you 30 on one end, can shut you down on the other end. Not to mention, and I've always said this about Giannis, even before he won a championship, when he was still getting, you know, when he was still as scrutinized as any player in the league, I I said, he's one of the better passers, especially for his position, power forward, as there is in the NBA. And when you consider the shooters Milwaukee has, obviously Chris Middleton, you worry about his health, but Holiday can knock down a three. You got Joe Ingles, you got Pat Connaughton, you got Grayson Allen, Brooke Lopez. Fits perfectly to Giannis's game. Not to mention, and the stats back it up, and I've said this for years, he is the most dominant player within five feet of the basket since Shaquille O'Neal. He is. Like the, I, I, name somebody else that you would take just to play bully ball down low since Shaq that you would take over Giannis. I'll, I'll wait. This is the same guy who just two years ago in game six of the NBA Finals, when the Phoenix Suns game plan is specifically stop number 34. Make sure he doesn't get his. <laughs> didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work at all. Giannis dropped 50 in game six. Probably the greatest closeout game in finals history. Uh, he He's unlike anything we've ever seen. How he's he, What's scary, he's in his prime and he's still getting better. He's still getting better. It's incredible what we've seen from Giannis and Nakumbo. He, to me, is the second-best player in the NBA, and that leaves one name and one name only. You know him. Say it with me. Wardell, Stephen, Curry, the second. The baddest man in all of basketball. He is the best player in the NBA. We talk about LeBron having, by far, the greatest year 20 season in NBA history, and that's an arguable. What's also inarguable is that Steph Curry had the greatest age 35 season in NBA history. Steph Curry, 29 a game, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, almost 50% from the field, well over 40% from three, over 90 from the line. So almost a 50-40-90 season himself, which would have been a second of his career. I think only Steve Nash, if I'm not mistaken, only Steve Nash has done it twice. Uh... Listen, again, certain things, what's understood doesn't need to be said. He's the greatest shooter of all time. Change the game. We, we hear that all the time in all these networks and all, all these shows you watch. 
When we talk about the gravity due to his remarkable shooting and shot creating abilities, the gravity that he creates for his teammates like Clay, like Jordan Poole, like the guys coming back, Andrew Wiggins, it's incredible. Not to mention, and, and I, I've always defended Steph, especially in the last couple years of the defensive end, Steph's a serviceable defender. He'll never be like Gary Payton or something or Marcus Smart, but he is absolutely serviceable in that end of the floor. And again, my argument for Steph being the best player, not only is he coming off of a finals MVP last year in which he single-handedly against the best defense in basketball against the defensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year at his position averaged over 30 a game and was clearly by a mile the best player in that series. Not just the fact that he's coming off of a finals MVP and was amazing in the playoffs last year, but the fact that no player on the offensive end, we could talk about defense, it's important, Got to have a great defense to win a championship, but it's all about getting buckets. What did uh, what did uh, the great Bill Russell, God rest his soul, what did he say back in the day? Like, yeah, all these people talking about uh, defense. It's about getting buckets. You put the ball in the basket. No player in basketball is more impactful to his team, and certainly individually, as far as just putting the orange ball in the orange hoop with the net in it than Steph Curry. He's out of this world. And again, similarly to Kevin Durant, had he played enough games, I think he would also, once again, be in the MVP discussion. Uh, and I think he is, is about to have, once again, another massive NBA playoffs, uh, which he's done four times in his career. I mean, he's even, he's even had great playoffs years that he hasn't won the championship. Steph Curry, to me, is the best player currently in all of basketball, the best player in the world. You say, that's Warriors bias. I mean, I listen. My defense for that is 14 months ago, day after the All-Star game, in which Steph Curry dropped 50 on Team, was it Team Giannis? Team KD, I think it was, in the All-Star game in Cleveland, Ohio. The day after, I said, Steph is the third best player in basketball behind Giannis and LeBron. I said that at the time. You can go check the tape. I said, by NBA Finals end, he will be the best. You saw what he did in the playoffs and in the finals. He took his game to a whole, whole different level. So there you go. All right, let's see. Uh, okay, uh, uh, hold on, let me make sure I've got it here. Okay, Fat Hill Jeffrey does not like where I have Nikola Jokic. He says eight, eight is so low, holy. And then he said he's definitely a top five uh, player in the NBA. Listen, again, to, for me, you got to prove it in the postseason. you got to prove it when it matters most. He hasn't done that. He's lost eight of his last nine playoff games. That's, I mean, Luca got to the conference finals last year. KD, know what he represents. Now that he's got a requisite supporting cast. Watch out for Phoenix. LeBron, Steph, like those two guys, their playoff resume speak for themselves. Giannis has a championship and was remarkable in the finals. Uh, who else I got? Now, Embiid had higher because I think Embiid's just flat out a better player than Jokic. Uh, almost every time they play, Embiid outplays Jokic. Um, and Tatum has led his team to the NBA finals. Like, we forget that. Uh, you know, Luke hasn't done that. And B hasn't done that. And I think they're better than Tatum, but Tatum gets extra points in my book. Cause he led his team to the finals in his age. How old was he? 24, 25. That's rare. Like that, that does not happen much. If you look at NBA history, uh, let's see. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> uh he says, uh, nah, Mikael Bridges is the best player. Hey, listen, let's, let's, let's put some spec on, uh, Mikael Bridges name. Has never missed a game in his NBA career in five years. Has not missed a game. Never. 
who's durable, and not to mention he is unbelievable in the defensive end of the floor. And he's good offensively. He can knock down an open shot. So there you go. But yeah, that's... Uh, that listen, Mikael Bridge is good. He's, he's obviously not a top ten player, but I, I, listen, I, I know you're, I know you're just messing. So let's go back over the list for those who didn't see. Uh, make sure that's the right graphic. Okay, uh, my top ten players in the NBA in 2023 going into the postseason. Number ten, Damian Lillard. Number nine, Kawhi Leonard. Number eight, Nikola Jokic. Number seven, Jason Tatum. Number six, Luka Doncic. Number five, Joel Embiid. Number four, LeBron James. Number three, Kevin Durant. Number two, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And number one, Steph Curry. That's where I've got right now as the 10 best players in all basketball. And again, my list last year looked very, very different. This is coming out of the playoffs. Again, very different list. Top two are the same, Steph and Giannis, one and two. But I had LeBron at three. I moved him down just one spot to four. I had Luka four, Kawhi five, KD six, because KD was Terrible against the Celtics last year in the playoffs. Embiid 7th, Tatum 8th, Jokic ninth, Lillard 10th. So Lillard hasn't moved. Tatum moved up a spot. Uh, let's see. Steph and Giannis stayed the same. LeBron went down a spot. Doncic went down two spots. Kawhi went down four spots. KD went up three spots. Embiid went up two spots. Tatum went up one spot. Jokic went up one spot. And Damian Lillard uh, stayed the same. So that was what my list looked like last year. That is what the list looks like. Uh, this year. So there you go. That's my list. Uh, let's see. Fat Hill Jeffrey says, I agree in your take. If we count all the years before, but only at this season, uh, I, I don't with, with Jokic. Are, are you saying that? Are you talking about? Okay. So you're saying, you're saying this year individually, Jokic is the top five player. I mean, if that, if that's your argument, that's, that's fair. Like I, I, I can't, I can't refute that. All I would say is that I think, your history should matter. Uh, I think what you have done, and in the case of Jokic, what you have not done in the playoffs matters. Uh, but this year, yes, he has absolutely been a top five player in the NBA. Uh, again, as always, he's available. Uh, you never have to worry about uh, where he's at mentally. Uh, but yeah, he's 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 had a fantastic season. Do I think he him getting the MVP the last two years is great? Is crazy? Yeah. Uh, do I think if he got the MVP this year, it'd be even crazier? Yeah, betcha. Because I think the media has changed the narrative every year just to give Jokic the MVPs. Uh, but it feels like today, I know Vegas has Embiid as the favorite. I pick Embiid as the MVP this year. Uh, it feels like he's probably going to win, but we'll see. Okay, Fadil makes a an interesting case here. He says, if we bring history, LeBron should be number one, though. That's a fair argument. Um, again, I'm very much a, what have you done for me lately? I always say the Janet Jackson song. What have you done for me lately? I sort of combine what you have done and what you're doing now. For example, if LeBron was averaging 15 points a game, there's no way he'd be on this list. There's no way bigger name is he would still be. There's no way he'd be on this list. Um, but considering how he's played this season, coupled with his incredible playoff resume. That's why I've got him where he's at. Jokic is fantastic in the regular season and it is eh, in the playoffs. I mean, he's had plenty of games in which Jamal Murray has been the best nugget on the floor. I mean, the, the furthest the nuggets have gotten in the playoffs with Nicole Jokic was the Western conference finals against the Lakers in 2020. And in their one win, Jamal Murray was the best player on the floor for Denver. 
I mean, he was. He took over in that fourth quarter. Uh, had that crazy layup. I remember. I mean, hitting all these big shots. Uh, in many of their playoff games, Jamal Murray was was the best Nugget. And as much as I like Jamal Murray, I don't think we're ever going to mistake him for being a top ten player in the NBA. Top twenty five, maybe, but not top ten. But uh, that that's the only thing uh, that I've taken the. But it's it's fair points you make. You know, if if history is the is the judge, then it would be LeBron one and Steph second. Like that's 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 how it would look. And then he'd probably say KD and then Giannis. So those are those are fair points to make without a question. Uh, let's see. Okay, we got some big uh, playoff news. If you are a New York Knicks fan, and if you're a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, uh, this is according to Woj. He says Knicks All Star forward Julius Randle is targeting a return versus the Cavs tomorrow. Randall has been steadily improving and plans to test his left ankle prior to game time before making a final decision on rejoining the lineup for game one. Prior to this ankle sprain on March 29th, Randall hadn't missed a game this season and has typically shown a willingness to play at less than 100%. He's averaging 25 points, 10 rebounds, and four assists. So there you go. Yes, Julius Randall's had a... Now listen, I think Brunson has been the more important player for the Knicks, but listen, Julius has had a great year. He's had a great year, and he's a big reason why the Knicks are the five seed in the stronger conference. Uh, Let's see. Fat Hill says, LeBron, if he qualifies, always got... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What are you saying? Always got far only once or twice. Correct me if I'm wrong. What What, what are you saying? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lost. I'm kind of lost. But, uh, before you... Confirm. Let me just go ahead and get these predictions out of the way. Get the, I'll, I'll do it quickly because I want to mostly focus on the the first round uh, of the NBA playoffs. But tonight, first game of the play-in tournament, it is the Chicago Bulls and the Miami Heat. Now, Chicago's coming off of a gut-check win against the Toronto Raptors. They're down double digits in the second half. They come back and win. Zach Levine scores 30 of his 39 in the second half, plays unbelievable. DeMar DeRozan, while he was great, was not the most important DeRozan. In the arena, we saw what his daughter, D.R. DeRozan, I think is how you say her name, who, who was screaming at the top of her lungs anytime a Raptor attempted a free throw, and the Raptors go 18 for 36 at the line. It's like the most free throws they've missed in like 26 years. So credits to DeMar DeRozan's daughter uh, for making an impact there on the road. And uh, who knows, she'll probably be in Miami tonight for all we know for the game. Uh, Miami's coming off of a tough loss, a game that I thought, I think a lot of people thought that they would win fairly comfortably against Atlanta and Atlanta led by Trey young came in there and took care of business and got the dub in South beach. So this is a well-run organization with Miami. It's a great defensive team. It's a prideful organization. Well-coached team, Jimmy Butler. Again, Jimmy is not going to have a season come to an end in the play in tournament. Come on. It's Jimmy Butler. We're talking about give me the Miami heat to win this game by a final score of one Oh two to 94. He are a five and a half point favorite. I think they will cover. I do not anticipate Chicago will replicate that same performance. So give me the heat to win this game. One Oh two 94. And they will get into the playoffs as the eight seed and face the Milwaukee bucks. The second game, the second playing game, Oklahoma City Thunder, Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, OKC coming off of a big-time road win on the road in New Orleans. Did not see that coming either. 
And you got the Timberwolves coming off of a really, really tough loss uh, at the Crypto.com Arena against the Los Angeles Lakers. Again, OKC. Now, Shea Gilgis, again, to me, I would he would be on my fourth place. Uh, if I had an MVP vote, he'd be fourth place on my ballot. Just behind the, the three obvious guys, Embiid, Giannis, and Jokic. Uh, averaging 31 a game, has had a remarkable season. The Williams, uh, they're not really brothers. They've actually got the exact same name. It's just spelled differently. Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams, both have been great. Josh Giddy had a remarkable game and has had a, is a triple-double threat every night. Had a big game against the, the Pelicans. Uh, and, and they're a well-coached team as well. Uh, I just think with Minnesota coming in, they know how tough of a loss that was against the Lakers. Uh, Anthony Edwards had his worst game maybe of the season, shooting three for 17. He'll rebound. Cat will rebound from a bad second half. I think the Timberwolves will win this game close. I don't think they cover. Take OKC in the points, but I think the Timberwolves win this game 105-101, to and Minnesota will take on Denver in the first round of the playoffs. So that's that's what we got. That's why I think the playing games will will uh will will, will turn out. Uh oh, okay. So he's saying uh so LeBron always got to the conference finals or the semifinals, always, right? Only once or twice he didn't hit the sem- semis. Yeah, I think his first year in the playoffs, 05. I could be wrong on this. No, actually, no, only one time has LeBron never been to the semis, semifinals as a playoff team, and that was the last time he was in the playoffs in 2021 when the Lakers lost to the Phoenix Suns in six games. That's the only time LeBron has gotten to the playoffs and not gotten to the, to the Eastern Conference second round or Western Conference second round. So, but yeah, it's, yeah, no, he's, like I said, his... This playoff resume is unbelievable. It, it, it's incredible. Now, this, this is what we've been waiting for. It's a long season, 82 games. In the case of Mikael Bridges, 83 games. A lot of basketball, a lot of headlines, a lot of storylines, a lot of narratives, a lot of discussions about awards and whatnot. Load management, the whole bit. All that matters in the NBA starts tomorrow and goes to mid-June. That's all that matters is the NBA postseason. And it begins tomorrow in Philadelphia. It's Nets, Sixers. We won't start by predicting that series, but as we get the playoff music, the intense music going right now. Eastern Conference. You've got the one seed Milwaukee Bucks who will take on either the Chicago Bulls or the Miami Heat. Now, you guys heard me say, I think it's Miami. Uh, yeah, I think it's Miami who beats Chicago, and I think Miami will take on the Bucks. But let's just say for the sake of argument, the Bulls win, so we'll see either or. Again, Chicago's got a lot of good scores. Miami, it's mostly just Jimmy, but they're a significantly better defensive team than Chicago. Ironically, These are the last two teams that Milwaukee has played in the first round. They swept Miami in 2021 in the first round, and gentlemen swept the Bulls last year in the first round. So they're very familiar with both of these teams. Uh, Obviously, the Milwaukee lost to Miami in 2020 in the second round, a very disappointing finish to a great season. Um, This, I I think this goes without saying, that this series either way doesn't feel particularly close. I've tried to buy into Miami all season long, but they simply do not have the offensive firepower nor the depth to compete with a team, I think even like a Cleveland or a Philadelphia, dang sure not a Milwaukee, who's probably the deepest team in the NBA. They go like 8-9 deep uh, you know, on their bench. We know what Giannis is, what he represents. Middleton looks to be coming back healthy, got the week off. 
should be feeling good physically. Andrew Holiday had maybe the best season of his career. He was an all-star. He was clearly the second-best player in the Milwaukee Bucks. And he got guys like Portis, like Brooke Lopez, who might be this year's defense player of the year. Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen. Uh, I mean, this is a this is as good of a roster as there is in all of basketball. Uh, and I think it'll just be too much for either the Bulls or the Miami Heat. Give me the Milwaukee Bucks to get the gentleman sweep. I think either of those te- these teams can get a game at home in like a game three or four. But I think the Milwaukee Bucks will will smell blood quickly and take care of the series quickly and win this series in five games. A gentleman sweep for the Milwaukee Bucks in round one. Moving on to. The two seed in the Eastern Conference, the defending Eastern Conference champion, the Boston Celtics, who will be taking on the Atlanta Hawks in the second round. So Atlanta is coming off of a big time playing game that being totally transparent, I didn't I didn't think they were capable of. I didn't think they could go into Miami against that good of a defense and completely outplay the Heat virtually all night long. There was a nice stretch in the fourth quarter where the Heat got back in the game, but Atlanta shut the door fairly quickly, led by Trey Young. They're going to need that and then some against a Boston Celtics team that's one of the best, five best offenses and one of the five best defenses in all of basketball. Jason Tatum's had the best year of his career. That's inarguable. Jalen Brown, all-star this year, I think should be an all-NBA player. We'll see what his future is moving forward, but is one of the best number two guys in the league. Again, Tatum and Brown are the highest scoring duo in all of basketball. Not KD Booker, not AD and, and LeBron, not Giannis and Drew, not even Steph and Clay. It's Tatum and Jalen Brown. Not to mention Robert Williams. You have questions about his health. That's always up in the air. But when he's right, when he's in, he's maybe the best shot blocker in all of basketball. Can absolutely erase any of the stuff that people throw his way at the rim. You have plenty of guys coming off the bench. Grant Williams, Robert, uh, I'm sorry, not Robert Williams, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who means the sixth man of the year. Uh, and you've got a number of other guys. You've got uh, Marcus Smart, who was last year's defensive player of the year. I think is due for a big-time postseason run this year after a little bit of an inconsistent postseason a year ago. Uh, this this Boston Celtics team has has big, big-time aspirations, and Atlanta's been a little bit of, of a dysfunctional mess, if we're being honest, this season. Um, I, I think it's a sweep. I, I don't think I don't think Atlanta gets a game. Give me the Boston Celtics to take care of them quickly for the second straight year. Sweep their first round series against the Atlanta Hawks. I, I don't think the Atlanta Hawks have a, a chance in any any scenario you can think of, unless there's injuries, which God forbid we we don't wish that upon any team in the playoffs. I, I, th- I think Boston takes care of the Atlanta Hawks uh, rather quickly, and they win the series in four games with a. Good old-fashioned, classic, disrespectful sweep. Moving on to the Philadelphia 76ers, the three-seed in the Eastern Conference, taking on the six-seed, the Brooklyn Nets, who, needless to say, look quite a bit different than they did to begin the season. Obviously, they traded Kevin Durant. They traded Kyrie Irving, Kyrie to Dallas, Katie to Phoenix. Uh, Dallas is not even in the play-in tournament. Phoenix might be the favorites to come out of the West. That's neither here nor there. What is here is that Brooklyn added Kel Bridges, they added Dorian Finney-Smith. They added Spencer Dinwiddie to a team that already had, you know, some nice talent. Cam Johnson has had some big-time scoring outputs this season. Um, again, I worry about the Nets' ability to keep up with Philadelphia offensively. Both teams can guard you. Philadelphia can. They got, you know, obviously P.J. Tucker and 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 Tobias Harris can defend. And Joel Embiid's a, a remarkable defender, particularly uh, at the rim. Dorian Finney-Smith is probably the Nets' best perimeter defender. That's all fine and good. And I think the coaching matchup is closer than people think with Doc Rivers and Jacques Vaughn. Again, in the playoffs, 
It's all about pace. It's all about getting buckets. As Kyrie Irving said his Uncle Drew back in the day, getting buckets. Again, putting that orange striped ball into the orange hoop with the with, with the net. That's all that matters. Got to get stops, but that's all that matters. Philadelphia does that significantly better than Brooklyn. So, I, again, I think this is another relatively quick series in the East. Expect to see this a lot in the Eastern Conference. I'll give Brooklyn a game just based off of culture. They'll probably steal like a game four. Philadelphia will kind of kind of let their foot off the gas pedal. I think Philly will take a 3-0 lead, and then Brooklyn will take care of business. Uh, you know, get, Avoid the sweep, just for pride purposes, and Philadelphia will close them back in the city of brotherly love in Game 5. Uh, 76ers win this series in five games in another gentleman's sweep in the Eastern Conference. The closest series out East by far, not even close, is the New York Knicks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is one that we've been feeling like it's going to be, we felt like was probably going to happen for the last month or so just based off of seeding. Cleveland could have stolen the three seed from Philly, but uh, they, they ultimately were not able to in the end. Again, the Knicks have been, and I kind of like the Knicks going this season. I had them as a play-in team, but I never thought that they could be a 47-win team as the five seed. I didn't see that coming. I did not see Jalen Brunson coming from Dallas and having the impact that he's had. And Julius Randle maybe having the best season of his career. Again, I, I mentioned with him coming back from injury potentially tomorrow, averaging 25 and 10. That'll work. And again, Emmanuel Quigley, maybe the sixth man of the year. So you got plenty of guys in that Knicks team. Uh, they're a fairly deep roster. But again, what I worry about is, and I talked about this with my playoff weaknesses yesterday, Tom Thibodeau has a way of winning in the NBA that's somewhat unconventional, that works in the regular season, and really comes back to bite you in the butt in the postseason. That's you play as hard as you can. You give every ounce of energy you've got for all 82 that's great. It wins you a lot of games. But by the time the playoffs roll around, you're shot. You're gassed. You don't have enough energy to go up against a team in Cleveland. That's, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the youngest team in the playoffs. That is unless Oklahoma City gets in. Uh, obviously, Donovan Mitchell has had a remarkable year. Uh, his first year as a Cav out of Utah. Evan Mobley has the potential to be an All-NBA player very, very soon. Had a big-time second year. Since coming back from injury, Darius Garland was big time for this Cavs team uh, coming off the injury that he suffered early on. Uh, Jared Allen is probably the best shot blocker in basketball, either him or Robert Williams or uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. in Memphis. Unbelievable, unbelievable rim protector. Uh, listen, they trade away Laurie Markin and they trade away Colin Sexton to go get uh, Donovan Mitchell for series like this. Cleveland was expected. I had him as the three seed. They ended up as the four seed. Cleveland is supposed to win series like this given the big-time deal that they made with Utah at the deadline. I think they will. They just have better shot creators and shot makers um, as, you know, th than the New York Knicks do. So I think the Cavs will win this game, uh, win this series in six games. I got Cavs in six. Cleveland wins uh, four games to two against the New York Knicks. Uh, Knicks will get a couple. I could see a scenario in which this is a 2-2 a series after the first four, and then Cleveland you know, maybe probably maybe, maybe wins in blowout fashion game five and then wins a close one at Madison Square Garden in game six with Spike Lee, uh, Tracy Morgan, and others in attendance. Sorry to the Knicks fans out there, but y'all going home in round one for the second time in the last three seasons. So that rounds out the East. So out East, that means in the second round, I'll have Milwaukee taking on Cleveland and I'll have what in what will be a very anticipated matchup, the Boston Celtics taking on the uh, the Philadelphia 76ers in round two. So 
Very entertaining matchups in the second round. Again, I think the first round outside of Cleveland, New York will be a little bit of a dud. Uh, I just think the mismatches are all over the place with the top three seeds compared to the bottom three seeds. But that's what I think is going to happen. Moving on to the Western Conference. You've got the one seed, Denver Nuggets, taking on the eight seed, which will either be, we'll know after about midnight Eastern tonight, the Oklahoma City Thunder or the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think it'll be Minnesota, but let's just speak in hypotheticals. OKC's young, but talented. Minnesota is young, but plays dumb. Let's, let's be real about it. Some of those games last year against Memphis, it, they just gave them away to the Grizzlies with bad execution, couldn't get stops, taking bad shots early in the shot clock. Some of that blame goes on Chris Finch, their head coach, as well. Uh, I think both Anthony Edwards and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, the best two players on the two respective teams, are good enough to get a game. And a concern I have with Denver is they're not as good defensively as you would want a number one seed to be. Like they're they're kind of kind of middle of the pack average uh, defense in the NBA. I don't think that will come back to bite them though. Again, I just don't know if it's Shea Gilgis and then Josh Giddy. You're not sure what you get from him from night to night, and then the other young players on that team. Lou Dort's good defensively, can maybe give Jamal Murray problems, but Lou Dort's not guarding you know Nikola Jokic. And then for for Denver, I can see them getting Cat in foul trouble. Like that's that 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 seems to be likely. Uh, in, in the long run. So I, I will give uh, the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic the W. Uh, Nuggets win the series in five games, four games to one against the Timberwolves or the Oklahoma City Thunder, and then we'll move on for the second time in three years, uh, or really the fourth time in five years, to the second round of the postseason. Moving on. This this is going to be a good one. I can't, I can't wait for this series. The two-seed Memphis Grizzlies. The seven seed, Los Angeles Lakers. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. You got the youngsters, kids who talk a big game and back it up in the regular season, have yet to really do so in the playoffs uh, with Memphis. Obviously, John Morant, we know the kind of player that he is. He is one of the most entertaining players in the league, especially when he takes flight in the paint. Makes you nervous for him from time to time, just given how Derrick Rose's career went. Uh, we certainly don't wish that upon job, but I worry about how he lands off of these acrobatic dunks. I've said that for a long time. But Jaron Jackson Jr. is my defensive player of the year. Uh, he's had a remarkable season. He was an all-star this year. Uh, you've got you've got um, a Desmond Bain, who's a factor on both ends of the floor, is a good 20-point-per-game score, great shooter on one end, and can play good defense on the other end. And Memphis is deep. they got Tyus Jones coming off the bench. Uh, again, Dylan Brooks is not near the fact that people giving him credit for or have ever given him credit for. As for the Lakers, while Anthony Davis and LeBron are up there in age, AD not as much, but he's kind of fragile physically. They've got plenty of young players. Hachimura's young. D'Angelo Russell's young. Uh, who else is young? You've got Vanderbilt's young. Schroeder is still relatively young. I'd say Schroeder's kind of in his prime uh, years in the NBA right now. Here's to me what's interesting. Both of these teams play vastly different brands of basketball. LeBron historically likes to slow down the pace in the postseason. I remember the Cavs, the year they won the championship uh, in 2016, were like 28 out of 30 teams in pace. The Grizzlies are always up and down the floor. Let's go fast as we can. A uh, little bit of showtime with a little bit more athleticism, if you will. Here's to me what decides the series. There's no Steven Adams, and there's no Brandon Clark for the Memphis Grizzlies. If you look at Anthony Davis's numbers against Memphis, he absolutely torches them. Averages basically 30 and 20 
against the Memphis Grizzlies. That's a problem without your two best bigs. I think this baby goes the distance. I think it goes seven. And it will be the Los Angeles Lakers who beat the Memphis Grizzlies in a game seven at the FedEx Forum to advance to the second round of the playoffs. Lakers in seven against Memphis in the first round. Again, I think this is going to be probably the most entertaining first round matchup of the playoffs. I cannot wait to watch those games. Uh, Although I hope I'm wrong. I do. I hope I'm wrong. And I'll explain why in just a second. The next series. Oh, I can't wait for this one. No question about it. You've got the reigning, defending NBA champion, my Golden State Warriors, taking on the three seed, the probably the shock of the NBA, the Sacramento Kings. I think it's, it's pretty simple to put it this way. The Kings. They are the kings of offense. Historically, the best offense in terms of rating in NBA history, which is hard to believe, but that's what the numbers say. They've got the coach of the year, Mike Brown. De'Aaron Fox, to me, is the clutch player of the year and is an All-NBA player. you got Sabonis, who was an All-Star this year and who I also think is an All-NBA player. Harrison Barnes and company. Here's the issue. Kevin Herter as well. Here's the issue. They're horrendous on defense. 25th in the NBA in defense. We can criticize Golden State for being 17th. 17, last I checked, is a little bit better than 25th in terms of rankings. Uh... Again, for context, Golden State, I saw the stat earlier today, has played over over 600 more playoff games in the last few years if you combine each individual player than Sacramento has. The Kings have not been to the playoffs since 06. For the Warriors, they have an opportunity to win their fifth championship in nine years. The playoff experience is night and day. The Kings, to me, to have any chance to win this series, have to win game one. That place, the Golden One Center, which has a great fan base, by the way, hats off to the Kings fan base this year, is going to be probably the loudest game one atmosphere in the NBA, maybe all season. And Golden State gets loud. Plenty of other arenas get loud. Sacramento, that place gets rocking, man. With all that said, folks, I think this one's over quick. I think Golden State closes out the Sacramento Kings in a gentleman's sweep. They know Mike Brown's tendencies. They get Andrew Wiggins back. They can ease him back in. Sacramento's awful defensively, and Sacramento has little to no playoff experience. All the signs in the world point to a quick Warriors series, and not to mention, this is something that can't be proven in stats, but it can be proven by the eye test. Golden State just turns it on once the playoffs roll around. There, people tell me, can you flip the switch? Can you flip the switch? Yes, you can. Anybody can flip the switch. Warriors in five against the Sacramento Kings. This is just the matchup the Warriors have been wanting. They got it. I think they'll close the Kings out relatively quickly. And finally, last playoff series uh, in the Western Conference. Let me pull it up right here. Hold on. All right. You've got the Phoenix Suns, the four seed, who are probably the favorites to win the West today against the five seed LA Clippers. It's as simple as this. The Suns have not lost with Kevin Durant in the lineup, 8-0. And the Clippers are without Paul George, likely for the whole series unless he rushes back. Not to mention, you worry about Kawhi's health, and like I said yesterday, you worry about Westbrook's history in the playoffs, and particularly in close playoff games. Here's why I think this series will last longer than people think. This is Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs. If you look at his history in the playoffs, whether it's as an underdog or as a favorite, he always shows up, and he always shows up in the biggest of moments. He's great in the last two minutes of games. I can't wait to see like a Kawhi Leonard, KD, like back and forth late in games um, in these playoffs in this round. I think Phoenix, though, while while the Clippers are deeper, I think Phoenix has the 
slightly better coach. Although I love Ty Lue, but I love Monty Williams more as a coach. I don't think the, as Barry called it, Barry Grant Jr., the All Even Podcast, called it the Black Cat Paul Syndrome will hit the Suns until later, potentially. I think the Suns win the series, but it's not as quick as people think. I think they win this thing in six games. They close the Clippers out in L.A. Uh, to advance to the second round for the third consecutive year. So there you go. So out east, I've got the Milwaukee Bucks in five against the Heat or against the Bulls. I've got the Celtics in a sweep against the Atlanta Hawks. I've got the 76ers in a gentleman's sweep in five games against the Brooklyn Nets. I've got uh, last series in the Eastern Conference. I can pull it up here. Where is it? There it is. I've got the Cleveland Cavaliers in six over the New York Knicks. Out West, I've got the Nuggets in five against the Timberwolves or against the Thunder. I've got the Lakers in seven against the Memphis Grizzlies in what, in what I think will be the most entertaining first-round series. Uh, I've got my Warriors in a gentleman's sweep over the Sacramento Kings in the first round. Uh, no no disrespect to the Kings, but people are acting like they're like the 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 – the 2000s Kings with, with Chris Weber and everybody. Uh, and then finally, I got the Suns in six against the Los Angeles Clippers. So there you go. That's my first round playoff predictions. I'm sticking to them. And quite frankly, I feel great about them. A few comments here uh, before we get out of here. Uh, let's see. Hold on. From Fat Hill Jeffrey, who I really appreciate today, uh, has been great in the comments. Uh, he says Bucks in six versus the Heat. Bucks sweep against the Bulls. Okay, I respect that. Uh, <laughs> he says Trey got one game in his bag. Gonna drop 60. 60 points on the Boston Celtics. I, listen, I'd love to see it. He says yes, Philly in five. He says Cavs in seven if Julius Randle's play. Or if Julius Randle plays, Cavs in five if not. And then he says Denver in six versus Minnesota in five versus OKC. Oh, wow. He loves, okay, no. He said Lakers in five, and then he changed it. He said Lakers in six. He said the upset of the playoffs. I like it. I like it. I think it's seven because I think it's, both teams present different matchups that are really fascinating and that I can't wait to talk about over the next two weeks. He says Golden State in five if Wiggins plays like last season or six. And then he says, I think Suns in seven. And then he changed it. He said Suns in six. I think it's a longer series than people think. I really do. I really, really do. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Thank you very much. I think it's the first time commenter that we've had in Fat uh, Fat Hill Jeffries. We really, really appreciate you uh, for for really keeping the dialogue and discussion going in the comment section as always. Uh, but like I said, catch Carving Up Live on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grids YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network on uh, YouTube. It's where you can find my show as well as the shows of other uh, incredible content creators here at the network. Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast, Patrick Brown of the Forum, Lakers Podcast, and the Chaotic Sports Podcast, Ryan Flowers, who we just had on the show yesterday of Clutch Sports Talk, uh, Alfred Parso Jr., the Metropolitan Report, and the Rocket Fuel Jets Podcast. 
We've got the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast, and we've got the newest member of the, of the grid, Parnell, of the Commander's Demand Podcast. Commander's just sold uh, from Dan Snyder to a new ownership group, so congrats to Washington. Uh, your misery is over. Uh, so definitely be sure to check out his content and see what he has to say there. Uh, all right, I'll see you all on Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. Please continue to stay safe out there. Uh, please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And as always, please call your local, state, representatives uh, and senators to get gun legislation passed, gun uh, uh, control legislation passed in your particular states. We've got to combat this issue in America uh, called gun violence. We've got to fight it with everything that we've got to protect each other. Have a great weekend, y'all. Stay safe. God bless y'all. Peace out. Playoffs, baby. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.